Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. The Talking Tide podcast available to you, of course, at Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you prefer. And of course, we are live on YouTube and Facebook as well. Give us a uh, Likes, follows, etc. Accordingly, uh, in those locales, if you would, the Twitter feed is talking underscore tide. That's the handle. You can go there, give us a follow, get quick links to all of our podcasts right here on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Of course, we want to thank Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, fine sponsor of the program for a number of years. And with that, Travis, we dive into kind of a quick look back on SEC Media Days. Um, uninteresting, I thought, in, in, in some respects. I, I, I thought Nick Saban managed to get through it without, without fielding anything too, too tough. Uh, but some other comments made by players and coaches I thought were pretty notable. We'll get into a couple of those as, as well. But certainly the quarterback question was one that Saban got peppered with, as, as, as you might expect, Travis. And, you know, it sounded to me, and he kind of hinted at this a little bit in spring practice, but certainly – in answering the quarterback question, one thing that Saban reemphasized, Travis, was that they're not looking for a quarterback who's going to try to make every single play um, and maybe break off the design of the play too quickly to do something with his feet. Uh, he he wants he he stressed a distributor, and uh, he certainly doesn't mind the ball being thrown away if that's what's uh, necessary. So. You know, my takeaway from that is he'd like to see Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson both. And, of course, now he's going to get a, a look at Tyler Buckner for the first time as well coming up in, in fall camp. But I think he wants to see which of those three guys is is going to take a step toward being more of a distributor and less of a breakdown playmaker. Yeah, in other words, they don't believe anyway with the way they're going to try to play this season – uh, they're probably going to be more running back centric than quarterback centric, uh, certainly in comparison to what they've been over the last four or five years. So they're not looking for a Heisman finalist. If they get that kind of performance, great, but it's going to come off of uh, more of a focused, uh, committed approach. It sounds like to the run game first and foremost, and then they'll evolve from there. And absolutely ball security is something we heard Nick talk about, um, the last time we really heard from him after the 8A game, uh, it was a bit of an issue still uh, in, this, in the final scrimmage of the spring. And, um, you know, we'll see how these guys handle it going into the fall camp scrimmages. Players, of course, for Alabama at the event, J.C. Latham, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Dallas Turner. Latham certainly, Travis, was the one that jumped out and said, hey, we're going to do it. We're going we're to win this national championship. Pretty bold uh, with his predictions. You wonder sometimes, you know, all these things are, are unquestionably discussed ahead of time. So I don't think Latham was was uh, necessarily off the path of, of, of what, um, you know, what the program would like to hear from the players at media days. But it all you almost wonder sometimes if it's uh, if they're drawing straws uh, on the plane to, to media days to say to say to see who's going to be talking national title. Yeah, uh, what are these guys supposed to say, right? Yeah. You ask them about what their expectations are and 
as well coached as they are by the sports information staffs around college football these days, and certainly at Alabama, that is no exception. Uh, you know, guys going to say our you know our intended goal is to win the national championship. They've only won six of them in the last sixteen seasons at Alabama, so I, I would hope uh, J.C. Latham would would feel that way. And look, the three juniors they sent up there to the Nashville. Uh, the one thing they have in common is they've yet to experience that high. So clock's ticking on that trio, and it could be a three and out group. So this may be their chance. This may be their last chance to join that group of national champions before them. Yeah, no doubt about it. They've got uh, a couple of those guys certainly look like early entries to the draft. So last shot for them for a national championship. And uh, it, and you're right. It, there's nothing wrong with the confidence. But you get you get used to the answer to that question, whether it's Alabama or anybody else. Uh, the the typical fallback is always just worried about that first game, right? We're trying, I mean, that's what they get. We're trying to go one and zero, Chase. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're just trying September to go 2nd, one and zero. September third. That's what we got yeah. our eyeball on. Yeah. So it doesn't sound so. process oriented to me. Yeah. <laughs> Good for Latham from that yeah, standpoint. Absolutely. Um, Alabama not picked to win the conference for the first time since 2015. They were projected by the media there uh, in the voting, uh, order of finish voting, to nip LSU in the West. That was a narrow vote for sure. Georgia, of course, uh, more resounding as a conference champion. What are your thoughts on how the, the media shook it out with Alabama edging out LSU, Travis? That's kind of the way I went. I went with Georgia, obviously, in the East. I mean, in the East, the discussion was more probably three through five for me uh, with Kentucky, South Carolina, and Florida. But in the West, I had Alabama winning the division. I think a lot of the media probably came to the realization at some point in the offseason that despite all of the hoopla about LSU in year one under Brian Kelly, that was still a four-loss team, right? and got thumped late in the season. It wasn't like they lost three games in September and then, boy, just got on a run. Right. Uh, they got thumped at co in College Station uh, in late November. So um, certainly a lot of talented pieces and a team that's capable of winning the West. But I think a lot of folks had to ask themselves the question, if they played today or even more so by the time Alabama gets LSU in November – Right. in Tuscaloosa, which of those teams are you going to pick in that game right now? Now, if the game was played in Tuscaloosa in September, like Texas is getting Alabama, I, I can see more picks going LSU's way with Alabama still transitioning in a lot of areas, including quarterback. But by the time early November rolls around, Chase, I think that's the question you have to ask yourself when you make that pick in the West. The gap between Jaden Daniel and, and who knows what kind of gap it might look like, if any. Uh, but if if you presume Jaden Daniels, given what he did last year, is going to be more effective than than Alabama's starter, then yeah, you're looking at a different gap in games one and two and three than you might in games eleven and twelve. And so uh, certainly, if you're if you're the Alabama staff, you're you're looking to get that quarterback position torqued up improvement wise as quickly as possible. And, and there's no doubt you see it on the field every year, Travis, these young guys that haven't played a lot, whether they're freshmen or not, especially freshmen, 
Uh, but even a guy like Milrow, who's been around the program and played a little bit, but has never been a full-time starter, uh, sometimes you see vast improvements in these guys by the by the end of the season versus versus September. No doubt about it. And I think, you know, when you look at Alabama and what they're going to see in week two, what you expect them to see from Quinn Ewers and that Texas offense. Um, but but the silver lining and all that is, even if it kind of plays out like Ole Miss 2015 in Tuscaloosa, the big difference is going to be it's not going to hurt you in the conference. And no, I'm not picking Texas already tonight, so don't run with that. But you know the point I'm making there. It could be that because of Texas's offensive prowess, you know, Alabama finds himself in a position in week two with a new quarterback where they might have to score in the high 20s or even into the 30s to win that game in Tuscaloosa, Chase. And if that's the case, right now as we sit here in sort of mid-July, that's, that's, not, a, that's not a promising scenario, I would think, for Alabama. All right, uh, looking outside of Alabama quickly, Travis, around SEC media days, just wanted to touch on one quote from a coach and one from a player that kind of caught my ear. I'm sure you heard these remarks as well. Naturally, I, I lean toward Kiff, Kiff, Kiffin's refer, refreshingly honest, right, and unvarnished with, with his comments at SEC media days and in general, and I, I'm always going to have an appreciation for that, Travis, as a reporter. I'm sure you do as well, uh, but – what about him saying, oh, yeah, I've got some rankings for booster collectives. I just can't quite tell you what they are. But he said, I'd love to, but I can't do it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how viral Lane Kiffin would, oh. would go if he if he ranked the collectives in the league one through 14 on, on Twitter or at a microphone or anybody else? That would set it on fire. Yeah, I, I mean, Lane looked like he came straight off the – the beaches of St. Saint, uh, St. Martin or something too, by the Every way. Every year. Yeah. Wind blown, you know, straight off the, the cruise boat <laughs> lane, you know? So I'd like more backstory on that whole deal. How he, how he got that look, but no, I, it's, it is what it is in this era of college football. And Lane's been pretty adamant about, uh, and, and it makes you wonder too, if Lane was head coach of say Texas, like Sark is, would we be hearing as much of this from Lane right. as we do with him at Ole Miss? Don't seem Maybe to be hearing a lot of complaints from Sark, do you? Yeah, my Sark. What, what, I don't. I don't. What's the problem? <laughs> Nor Jim. Yeah. Yes, Jimbo, and 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 he doesn't even know what it is yet. Probably still, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, he he. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, uh, he'll, he'll tell you it has nothing to do, nothing to do with our football team, nothing to do with our program. <laughs> you got to try to interpret all that with Jimbo, but yeah. It, it is. I think it, it has a lot to do with where you're where you're getting your paycheck from right now. How about Quinshawn Judkins? Speaking of, we'll stay with Ole Miss as we turn to a quick player quote. Uh, burning that NIL money on a Nick Saban Mercedes. What about that? <laughs> yeah, Nick probably appreciates it, right? All roads I mean, lead back to Saban on this NIL stuff. Yeah, like if that, he didn't right? sign Quinshawn as a, as a high school player, he signed him on that dotted line, you know. <laughs> So that's all Nick cares about. He he got Quinshawn signed one way or the other, it sounds like. <laughs> Fantastic quote from him, for sure. Enjoyed it uh, thoroughly. I was there uh, for about 36 hours, not too, too long. Obviously, Wednesday was the day that, that Alabama spoke, and 
uh, Nick Kelly of the Tuscaloosa News and I were uh, were on hand and, and bolted out of there pretty quickly. It's getting tougher and tougher to get a, a to, to to throw a fastball at these guys, though, Travis. I'm telling you, it's it's just every year it seems like it's made for TV just a little bit more. Uh, and on you know not to not to whine, but but uh, for this particular year, uh, my hand was up and Nick's hand was up uh, with a with a fastball raring to go and for the entire cares. thirty minutes of the press con- of the no. main ballroom press conference and. Uh, you know, random, you know, just picking out. But there's, I get it. There's 50 hands up. And but have, the a, have a daily beat room. Have a separate breakout area for daily beat people. How about I that? Said, you could do that. And that's that. why when I have been in the past, I would always, in the and you know, when it first be, became a thing, I'd go in the internet room. Right. Because if I really had a question I wanted answered, I had a hell of a lot better chance in the internet room than the main room. Right, right. Well, we we went into because Cam into Robinson. The, one, remember one summer, Cam had had an issue with the authorities back mm-hmm. in like Monroe, I think it right. was, and I wanted to ask Nick about Cam's status, you know, coming out of all that because we hadn't heard from him. So that's where I that's where I went because the the math was far yep. better. If I had a yep. question, you know, I mean, math better room, except the minutes, right? Because because yeah. that's a ten minute room, but, not a thirty. But if room. you get up quick. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. No doubt about it. But it's, it's like a, family it's feud. They ought to stuff. give y'all. They ought to give you buzzers. You know, and everybody tries to buzz in. I think it's one rough, solution man. that's kind of similar to what you suggested. Maybe just reserve the uh, a particular row, the front row, the second row. I don't care what row. Reserve some row for the daily local beat guys, and then that way, at least the moderator can point to somebody on a row and at least know he's he's catching some of the right people. I mean, half the questions, I think, are more from fan types than there's, they are there's re- no doubt. reporters. There's no doubt. I mean, it's yeah. 50-50 at best. And absolutely, the SEC loves it, though. I mean, because yeah. every year, 1,137 credentials. credentials that's, yeah. the, that's the number. That's the end-all, be-all for the yeah. SEC when it comes to media days. That's the one they like to drop. At the end, it's it's become the SEC's NFL draft, just like what the NFL's done with the draft. That's what the SEC's going to do with media days. Going to Dallas next year, so you know, headed for Dallas next year. All right, I'm exiting the soapbox now, officially, Travis. Yeah. On that, on that complaint. All right, uh, the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network, uh, coming to you live here on Facebook and YouTube. You can get us on any podcasting platform. You prefer, and we want to thank Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, our fine sponsor. Travis, tell us some more about them. It's July, and we've talked about it. Wednesdays in July, you go by Peterbrook Chocolatier right there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. You're going to get that free scoop of gelato. Wednesdays in July, they're going to take great care of you, and they'll always take great care of you any day any month, any year at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. My wife, uh, Michelle, brought home a, a box of, of uh, custom, it's basically a chocolate business card, kind of is what it looks yeah. like, but uh, brought home a box of those for, for her place of business. And uh, all I could do is count up those reward points. Travis, yeah, coming my they way, had the rewards program. Can't beat them. 
you can do that. And uh, the custom molds too, like Chase is talking about. Uh, if you have a business or they're very popular with realtors, business folks, even the University of Alabama Athletic Department likes those custom molds. So uh, you can check that out too. Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up podcast network. Moving on just a few more minutes to go here. Travis wanted to touch on fan day really quickly. It is back. Hadn't been around, I think, since 2019, pre-COVID, as a matter of fact, the autograph session, but a little bit of a twist on <laughs> the event this year. Yeah. Uh, in order to get on the field and get autographs from Nick Saban and uh, various notable Alabama players. It's going to require a membership to the collective yay Alabama at a price tag of $18. So that goes on top of the camp out outside Bryant Denny stadium to uh, pop in there on fan day for you. Yeah. um, Right. You can't get on the field chase unless you're on the team. (laughs) So that's uh, basically what you're being told here. Hey, I think Alabama pretty fans, ingenious way, I guess. If you got to oh, grow that base, absolutely. You know? But you know, it, it took the collective to bring back Fan Day, but it is back, and that's I think what uh, most fans care about, and that's that's what matters. Eli Gold back in the booth this fall. Travis, some good news for the longtime voice of the Crimson Tide. Going to be good to see Eli back. Of course, he was. Out last season with health issues, Chris Stewart did a fine job taking over. But uh, earlier this week, uh, it was reported that uh, Eli was going to be back, and it's great news for him. Absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, just to see Eli regain his health, uh, that's the, the the biggest win in all of this. Uh, synonymous for a generation or two now when it comes to Alabama football as the voice of the Crimson Tide, but I want to say this too, boy, how lucky, how fortunate is um, the, the Crimson Tide Sports Network to have Chris Stewart around who can literally do anything, everything, and can do football at a very, very high level. So very, very happy to have Eli back. But again, absolute kudos to Chris, who's had health issues of his own in the last five or six years and has overcome those and just to con- continues to be such a key cog in that whole um, machination. If the radio business has a Paul Hornung Award, Travis, for the most versatile, Chris Stewart's got to be on the short list for that, if not uh, way, I would right? think so. And talented dude. Just really good at what he does. So uh, uh, good news on, on all fronts. No doubt. All right, we're going to close it out here on the Talking Tide podcast with a rumble through the Two Deep Tumbler, as we do in the last several weeks. We're going to tumble up a couple of uh, jersey numbers here. I'm determined. Yeah, it's the state of Alabama's only form of Powerball. That's That's exactly right. Powerball in the state of Alabama. All right. I think that's the first time I haven't spilled one since we started. You're getting good at this. Getting really time. good. All right, number 80 comes out of the hopper, Travis. Kobe Prentice, the young wide receiver, who, of course, uh, uh, was pretty effective in spots for the Crimson Tide last season as a freshman. And as well, uh, number 65, the aforementioned J.C. Latham. So, uh, very important starter on that offensive line in Latham, the right tackle. 
Uh, and a guy in Kobe Prentice who, who flashed impressively at times last year, Travis. He did, especially as a first-year player. He ended the season on a high note, took that little quick pass against Kansas State, ran through that secondary for an explosive play touchdown. And um, I think like the rest of the receivers, when you think of Kobe, you're just thinking reach that level of consistency that they all need to to ascend to uh, heading into this season. But big play, a uh, potential big play guy, Um I think one of the few wide receivers, though, that I don't recall seeing on punt returns or maybe in the return game, but just as an inside receiver with Isaiah Bond back, too, and some of the other things they can do with receivers in terms of flexibility, even their tight ends, uh, Bond and Prentice specifically, that looks to be a really nice one-two punch inside, Chase. No doubt, no doubt. And, you know, Prentice – we saw Prentice fairly early last season. Of, 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 if you group together some of these young receivers, Prentice was a guy that was getting reps quickest, I think, of, of a lot of that group anyway, mm-hmm. uh, behind the veterans, Brooks, Burton, et cetera, last season. We saw a little bit more of Bond as the season wore on. Uh, but clearly there was some trust established between the offensive staff and Prentice right from fall camp last year, given his uh, his prom- – and it's not like he was a starter. I'm not saying he was. But he rotated regularly enough early last season that I, it was obvious to me anyway that the staff liked everything they saw about him, or at least most of it. Yeah, and this is a guy that really came onto the radar as a camp phenom for Alabama before his senior year at Calera High School. He was originally committed – to Mike Loxley. Alabama's done a little damage to Locks in the last yes. couple of years, haven't they? But I guess I guess Locks got Leah Tonga Vialoa um from Alabama. He'd been a good quarterback for the Terps. So I guess it all evens out. But um yeah, I think Prentice, uh, when you think about the top five or six guys in this rotation uh going into the twenty twenty three season, he's he's one of those guys. Latham an anchor for sure. Latham was a uh uh, big time selection in these preseason all SEC teams. He was right there with any of them. Uh, as a matter of fact, primed for a big season at right tackle. You know, we talked in the spring and off season about the at least the possibility of him moving to the left side because he was the experienced guy at the tackle position. We've seen a lot of examples of Alabama flopping a veteran right tackle starter to the left side when the left spot comes open. Doesn't look like that's going to happen, at least through spring uh, and, and, and fall camp. You never know. Uh, but it, 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 throughout the spring, anyway, what we saw was that they like Latham right there on that on that right tackle spot. And and uh, one would assume that, that he'll be all the better for it coming back, playing the same spot a second year in a row. Yeah, I wonder, too, if they just felt like we've got that in our back pocket, if we feel like we need it, if we need to send him over to the left side. Uh, we can do that. But as you sort of outlined there, why not leave well enough alone if Elijah Pritchett can jump in there at left tackle or maybe Caden Proctor, the true freshman, shows enough in the spring and then heading into the summer to think, even if it isn't Pritchett, it could be Caden Proctor on that left side. But without question, when you think about offensive tackles in the SEC, I think it's J.C. Latham, probably Will Campbell of LSU as a second-year player, really good good young tackle um, for the Tigers. So uh, money year, contract year for J.C. Latham, really. I mean, you, you think about the first-round potential for him and 
Uh, it's right there in front of him. No doubt about it. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of the Tuscaloosa News and Crimson Cover Television, and we'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.